This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com slash district sentinel, so you can get access to all our bonus content, all the newscasts we do throughout the week. Plus, you get your own haiku. We're going to read some poetry later on in the show. We're doing like a, we're doing a promo. Just give us a dollar. Do a dollar a month. If you can spare a dollar a month for us, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. If you listen only on our SoundCloud channel where we put out uh, free stuff, that's fine. That's totally chill. But, you know, think about tossing us a buck a month. It would, uh, it would go a long way to helping us out. This is, uh, it's tough putting out content every day and, you know, we, we, we just want to make a living wage here. A buck a month is like a tendy, a nice tendy at a nice restaurant. It's also really hard sometimes dealing with uh, all these news stories with the rising tide of fascism, <laughs> uh, a dying planet and everything. So uh, think of it as helping us with self-care for <laughs> sifting through news during the depress- the most depressing time in our lifetimes. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of you already subscribe and thank you. And uh, some of you I know are uh, on the temporarily unsubscribed uh, list because uh, you're having some financial difficulty. So thank you for keeping on listening. Uh, The rest of you, keep doing what you're doing. But if you have a dollar to spare, (laughs) throw it our way. And and yeah, like Sam mentioned, we also have the uh, temporarily unsubscribed list. So theoretically, you could throw us a dollar and also get access to all our content because we don't want money to be an issue for anyone. Although seriously, help us keep this thing going. I mean, a, a monthly subscription to the Sentinel that gets you this daily newscast and everything. It's like less than half the price to the New York Times. So if you recently unsubscribed from the New York Times, throw it our way. All right, what do we have? No big stories over the weekend, huh? Nothing really big happened. Just pretty quiet weekend uh, overall, especially online. Nobody really tweeting about anything. There was a local crime story, I think, uh, in New York, right? That everyone seemed to latch on to. What was that? Oh, what, someone died? Did someone die? Actually, allegedly. That's, that's the question. That's isn't the question. It? Uh, Epstein found dead in his jail cell. Early reports, we didn't know how he died, which is weird if he hung himself or hanged himself. Seems like that would be pretty obvious off the bat. Uh, the Attorney General Barr says serious irregularities here. I mean, this is just too predictable. <laughs> like, we've been talking, we've been joking about. How Epstein's going to be dead here. Bill Clinton, the Clintons are going to kill Epstein. I mean, I didn't really think the Clintons would do it as much as like the other billionaires that are associated with him, foreign heads of state, uh, the fact that he might be an intelligence asset. There was a number of reasons why Epstein might just end up dead. And Trump is. Yeah, Trump. Can't rule out, can't rule out Trump. Yeah. <laughs> of course, Trump himself retweeted someone making fun of the Trump body count theory, <laughs> but saying, what about the Clinton body count theory? 
I saw another great tweet from the band Foster the People, which insinuated that, oh, it didn't insinuate. It just straight up said that we we still haven't seen his body and there's a body True. double and he's being whisked away to the Middle East right now for plastic surgery and to live out the rest of his life. Uh, who knows where? Maybe Dubai, maybe Saudi Arabia. Who knows? <laughs> but... Keep coming with these theories, folks, because it just brings this impending sense of collapse to our really shitty uh, United States government system. And maybe we can rebuild again yeah. <laughs> when, it's, when we're all done with this. Yeah, we, I've been saying how this is all a sign. Just the fact that this child sex ring existed and that some of the most powerful people in the country were a part of it is a sign of a failed state. The fact that this is getting resolved now with the person at the center of it being killed mysteriously in a jail cell all <laughs> confirms that. Two weeks after, or two weeks, a few weeks after uh, allegedly trying to commit suicide and failing. And yes, it's true, as people are saying, that uh, prison systems are inherently fucked up and people yes. on suicide watch do kill themselves, do manage to kill themselves. That's yes. not altogether an irregular occurrence but but they're not usually the most high important yeah. high profile Thank federal you. prisoner in the system the most high value prisoner possibly of all time <laughs> in in Ever. all of united states penitentiary history i mean maybe that's an exaggeration but it's close Speaking of fucked up stuff it's the 2 year anniversary of the uh charlottesville attack today Something I happened to witness with my own eyes. I was a half a block away from the car. I was heartened by the response to it, the attack at the time when people seemed to reject this sort of notion of both sides. And it seems like two years later, the both sides theory is acceptable. You yeah. have people like Ted Cruz trying to criminalize Antifa or at least pass a resolution that strongly suggests that law enforcement officers should be able to do whatever the fuck they want to them. You have reactionary grifters like Andy No getting mainstreamed for uh, demonizing left-wing protesters who show up to confront fascists like the shithead who killed Heather Heyer and yeah. injured like two dozen other. And you have the body count from body count. fascist violence considerably higher since then. Yeah, I, I thought at the time Charlottesville was awful and... You know, obviously it, obviously it could get worse. It was hard seeing it. I didn't imagine it would be this tangibly worse so soon, so regularly, where we're dealing with a new far-right mass shooter like every five days now. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is a backslide. This is bad. This is really fucked up. And uh, two years on from Charlottesville, we haven't learned shit. Well, let's get to the news. It's Monday, August 12th, 2019. Today, the Trump administration unveiled yet more rules designed to crack down on working and middle-class immigrants. Acting U.S. Immigration Head Ken Cuccinelli announced the move at a press conference, saying the change is set to take effect in October on new applications to his agency. That is, assuming the rules aren't thrown out by judicial review before then. Here's Cuccinelli with a brief explanation. Basically, immigration officers will count use of public welfare programs against people trying to settle in the United States. Under the rule, a public charge is now defined as an individual 
who receives one or more designated public benefits for more than 12 months in the aggregate within any 36-month period. For instance, receipt of two different benefits in one month counts as two months. Some examples of the public benefits that are part of the rule are general assistance, SSI, SNAP, most forms of Medicaid, and certain subsidized housing programs. So SSI is a disability benefit, for the record. So if you come to this country, get a job, uh, get injured at work, or get hit by a car or something, you might be scared out of getting disability benefits because it could impact your permanent status. Ditto food stamps if you can't work because of this accident. This is really fucked up. This is another prime example of intentional bigoted cruelty from the Trump administration. When Cuccinelli took questions from the press, one journalist asked him how this proposal contrasts with the famous Statue of Liberty prose from Emma Lazarus, Give Me Your Tired, Your Poor, and here's how part of that exchange went. You were implementing a public charge rule for the first time. Is that sentiment, give us your tired, your poor, still operative? in the United States, or should those words come down? Should the plaque come down off the Statue of Liberty? Well, I, I'm certainly uh, not prepared to take anything down off the Statue of Liberty. Wow, thanks, Ken. Really heroic stance there on not just fucking bulldozing the Statue of Liberty. Good job. Uh, by the way, if you're wondering how many times Cuccinelli talked about coming from a family of Italian immigrants, the answer is multiple. Multiple times he talked about how Italian he was. Moving on. U.S. efforts to get the Afghan National Air Force off the ground were panned by a Pentagon Inspector General this week. In a report published Monday, the DOD Inspector General characterized U.S. and coalition training programs for Afghan tactical air coordinators as insufficient. These are the individuals in the Afghan Air Force charged with coordinating airstrikes and supporting Afghan soldiers on the ground. Of course, that war is still raging right now. How many years has it been? 18? 19? Yeah, uh, almost 18. Almost 18 in October, right? October's yep. the anniversary because it happened a month after 9-11. Yep. So for one, according to this report, the training programs did not develop air coordinators' ability to make airdrops to support ground forces. The inspector general also found that training contractors didn't even bother to draft a detailed training curriculum for Afghan air officers, nor did the contractors track the effectiveness of their training or document any milestones to ensure that the training is taking hold. Reading from the report, quote, the inability to coordinate airdrop operations increases the risk that Afghan National Defense Security Force units operating in areas without airfields or helicopter landing zones will not receive critical supplies. Additionally, the lack of a detailed training curriculum for air liaison officers increases the risk that the Afghan forces will have unqualified air liaison officers which could result in an increase in unsuccessful air-to-ground missions, as well as an increased risk of civilian casualties and fratricide, which is the killing of one's own troops. Well, as far as hospital bombing, they learned from the best of us, the best of them in the United States uh, Army. Yeah, the Kunduz. Uh, yeah, that was the uh, Doctors Without Borders Hospital. Yeah. Remember Speech Boy 71 being like, well, actually, it was fine. <laughs> yeah, as... As, paraphrased yeah as that episode is evidence of this has been a long-running problem not just uh for afghan 
Air Force, but also coalition forces. The report documents that the air officer training began in 2013. Since then, more than 400 coordinators have been trained, but the Afghan Air Force still doesn't have the capability to carry out sustained air-to-ground missions, and the program is rife with tragic mistakes. On October 1st, 2017, an Afghan Air Force aircraft on a mission in Helmand province mistakenly struck an Afghan police unit, killing 10 people. According to the training program, Afghan air liaison operations should be fully capable by April 2021. That would be 20 years after the U.S. first invaded the country. If anyone's still counting, I'm obviously not counting anymore since I forgot how long we had been in there a few minutes ago. Yeah, almost old enough to send the uh, war in Afghanistan out for a pack of smokes and a porno mag. Almost old enough to send the war in Afghanistan out to fight the war. (laughs) In Afghanistan. Afghanistan. (laughs) New anti-union proposals were published today in the Federal Register, marking the start of the 60-day public comment period. The Trump administration is seeking to make it easier to get unions decertified by bosses, cynically saying the move will, quote, protect employees' statutory right of free choice. Specifically, the National Labor Relations Board is proposing to amend procedures which allow unions to block decertification votes when they allege voting interference by management. Trump's board is claiming this is bad by citing a study showing that so-called blocking charges delayed 14% of decertification votes in 2008. The median delay lasted more than 100 days. You'll note, however, there's no empirical assessment here of what bosses were actually doing to earn these unfair labor practice charges in the first place. Now, Republicans want to plow through decertification votes to weaken the hand of labor, even if said decertification votes are in disrepute. NLRB General Counsel Peter Robb has proposed holding elections amid allegations of interference by management, quote, if the merits of the charge have not been resolved prior to the election, the ballots would be impounded, end of quote. Now, board elections are already fucked up enough. The secret ballot system empowers deceptive union-busting managers, enabling them to intimidate workers through captive audience meetings. This would only make the problem much worse. There is no such thing as a fair secret ballot election against your boss. Finally, if you're endangered, the Trump administration wants to keep it that way. Tomorrow night marks the end of public comments on a proposed rule out of the Department of Health and Human Services that would greenlight doctors and medical professionals to discriminate against transgender Americans. The rule strips out language in the Affordable Care Act that defined discrimination on the basis of sex to include both gender identity and pregnancy termination decisions. But a federal court in Texas ruled in 2016 that the transgender protections in the ACA went too far struck them down. The Trump administration later responded to the ruling by promising to rewrite the regulations to remove those protections, and that's exactly what they did. And once the comment period ends, and the rule, because obviously the administration is not paying attention to the comments at this point, and the rule inevitably takes effect, doctors will be able to appeal to their conscience to deny transgender patients critical medical care. It would also prevent women who are denied abortion care to file suit on the basis that they've been discriminated against based on their sex. The rule would also exempt healthcare providers from complying with regulations to ensure that patients who don't speak English can access care. Providers won't have to mail out language access notices to non-English speakers. The administration sold it as a change that would save the industry $3.6 billion in costs. 
Yes, tell that to the people who can't see a doctor because they can't speak English. On the issue of transgender discrimination in the healthcare space, the human rights campaign study showed that 70% of transgender Americans say they've already experienced discrimination at the doctors or at a hospital. There are currently 28 states that lack anti-transgender discrimination laws. Without federal protections in place, that leaves more than three quarters of a million transgender Americans who live in those states vulnerable. A separate story now coming out of the administration focused on harming vulnerable populations. This one, the animal population. The Interior Department has finalized a rule rolling back protections for endangered species. The proposal would make it easier to delist endangered species and roll back protections for threatened species. It would also give corporate stakeholders more of a say in the entire process. Environmental groups are already preparing lawsuits in response to the rule, which they argue will gut the landmark Endangered Species Act. That is your newscast for today. We've got some calls on the listener rant line to get to, but before that, we've got some poetry to read for all the new subscribers on Patreon, patreon.com slash District Sentinel. I'll go first. This goes out to Drake Bank loaned me millions. He's <laughs> just licking my leg there. Bank loaned me millions. Time to get to work on my fish tube for humans. Thank you, Drake. Hopefully that will cut down on all our commute times. Yeah. Also helps fight climate change. Yeah. Next, this is for Alexis. Stop it. Stop fighting. I tell Hillary and Trump, you both did Epstein. Thank you, Alexis. Time will tell. Time will tell. This goes out to Harvey. An online platform turning minnows to Nazis, calling it FishTube. Thank you, Harvey. Yeah, thank you, Harvey. Just going to make all my haiku from here on out about fish tube. Fuck it. Why not? Subscribe at patreon.com slash district sentinel. Get your fish tube haiku. All right. Let's see what you all, the listeners, have to say. Let's play them. Hey, Sam. Hey, Sam. This is Caleb, the Raptor guy. Street fight listeners will be familiar. Um... I am calling in saying something that I've been meaning to call in with you guys for a long time about now. And most of my lefty friends live about peace. And that means that the political discourse concerning uh, politics and shit out here in the West aren't that. I recall you guys talking about a piece a long time ago about the Bureau of Land Management and their practices. And I specifically remember Mr. Sachs raising the question, are BLM employees cops? And I am here to say that absolutely, most definitely, yes. All public land is stolen. None of it is actually public. And I have a whole thing that I can go down saying that basically backs up these radical claims because, first off, 
all of the environmental legislation that we are all desperately clinging to through the era of Trump and through the era of Obama, to be completely honest, is was all enacted by our favorite tricky dick, Mr. Mr. Nixon himself, back in the 70s, in a plea to, you know, in a plea basically to assuage the, the liberal outcry that was raised up by people like Rachel Carson and even Edward Abbey a little bit. But... Yes, BLM officers, definitely cops, definitely making sure that Native people don't have access to their cultural heritage, definitely making sure that land is overgrazed by cattle, definitely making sure that Native megaflora and megafauna isn't allowed to return to natural densities, and definitely making sure that we enter this, you know, moving into the future uh, making sure that, you know, the interests of the lobbyists and all that other good shit are placed above our own. So, yeah. Have a good one, boys. Love the show. Caleb, thank you for the call. A very compelling case that BLM agents are, in fact, cops. I would argue that maybe the logical conclusion of that is that considering this entire country is built on stolen land and genocide, that even uh, park rangers are cops. Yeah, I mean, at its core, the whole system is corrupted and and founded on genocide. So, yeah. Well, I, I still wouldn't... Yes, there is a problem, but I can envision an agency that wasn't born out of this. Yeah. One after the revolution <laughs> of people whose job it is is to steward the commons. And that that agency just doesn't exist today, I suppose. Yeah. I, I would argue, too, maybe, that even under our flawed framework and our fucked-up federal government, that not all uh, federal agents are cops. Speaking of mail letter carriers, I don't think someone who goes door-to-door delivering letters for the U.S. Postal Service, they are not a cop. Yeah, they might be the one government job that's not a cop. <laughs> <laughs> All right. More calls. Hi, Sam. Hi, Sam. This is Andrew from Milwaukee. Glad to hear you guys are back on the road. Glad to hear you had a good time. Um, I saw you guys at one of your first live shows, I think back in 2016 in Pittsburgh at uh, Spirit Pizza. Hell it was yeah. awesome. So I'm glad to hear that you're back on the road doing live shows again. Um, hey, uh, it was really cool that you went down to the uh, Atlanta DSA convention this year. Um, but another convention is quickly coming up on the horizon uh, next summer, July 2020. The Democratic National Convention will be here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the lovely cream city. And uh, I would love to host you guys out here. So uh, get in touch with me. I'm in the uh, local DSA chapter out here. And uh, I think there's going to be a lot of good content uh, generated over that weekend for you guys to be a part of and to document. All right. Stay strong. Socialism will win. Take care, fellas. Believe it or not, we've been talking about this already. Yeah. And uh, we definitely, we we absolutely want to be in uh, Milwaukee for the convention. And So you might hear from us, Andrew. Yeah, you might hear from us. And uh, we want to go to a Brewers game, too. So hook that up, too, Andrew. No, I'm just kidding. We can buy the tickets ourselves. But it, just another reason to go to Milwaukee. Yeah.
Thanks for the call. Also, thanks for coming out. I think that was our first live show at Spirit. Yeah. I think that number one. I think we did not even charge for that because we were like, this is our first show. It was either five dollars or free because we were like, oh, we hadn't even done one in DC (laughs) yet at that point. (laughs) That was it, was fun though. It worked out real well. And, uh, the folks at Spirit were real nice. The pizza was good. And we got baked on the back porch afterwards. So. Yeah, that was tight. All right, one last call. Hi, Sam. Hi, Sam. It's uh, me, your best friend, Marvin. I heard uh, Josh call in at the end of last week, and I just figured uh, I should probably tag in as well, uh, as it's been a long time uh, since I've uh, reached out to you. Um, I just wanted to say it's been much too long since we've uh, done something, hung out, uh, so uh, if you guys give me absolutely any excuse uh, to come out to D.C. to, you know, cruise through the yellow rivers of this town, uh, hey, you know, just hit me up. I'd be more than happy to come around any old damn time. Anyway, uh, miss you guys. Love you guys. Uh, you know, keep doing the great work you've been doing forever. Peace. Always good to hear from Marvin. So good. Man, it's been... <laughs> It's funny because when we went on our live tour, I started off every show talking about how this is the first time we've been doing live shows since our 420 show was the last live show, which was a complete fucking disaster. (laughs) People got their money's worth in weed, though, at least. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, That was the last time I saw Marvin. (laughs) Marvin came and hung out then. Um, So we need to hang with Marvin again. We do. We don't even need an excuse. Don't need an excuse. Come to DC. And hang out. Just come hang out anytime. Well, well you, we can rotate between couches. Yeah, we'll, we'll can, figure it out. Stay at Sam's, Sam, SK1's place, one couch, one night, and then stay at my place on a couch. I, <laughs> I do have one idea for some content that uh, Marvin and I could do, but I don't think you're going to like it. Basically, Marvin has pioneered in the genre of recording videos of reading politicians' tweets back to them in the dumb guy voice. Oh no, I, I like that. At, but when I'll, I, I'll do a few. When I, I was doing a few of them on the road, and <laughs> and you you noted that rarely does a tweet get zero faves, like zero interactions. It was I, a stunning. But creation. I did I, I did one, and evidently it made people so uncomfortable that uh, no one wanted to even fave it. The Sentinel account has like more than 9,000 <laughs> followers right now, which is a pretty decent sized account to put out a tweet to get no interactions. Like no matter what we put out, you'll get one like or something. Just one like, whatever. Or someone being even like, shut like, up or something. Yeah, even when we're promoting our content, which the shit, everybody hates those type of tweets. Yeah. Those will get like one courtesy like. <laughs> You managed to put out a tweet that didn't even get a like. And not only was it any tweet, it was a tweet that you did an original video to. You created an original video, sent it, and it got zero likes, zero retweets, zero reply zero interaction it had nothing. a ba- it had well i wouldn't nothing. say it's nothing people watched the it video. had hundreds of views yes people watched <laughs> the even where people saw the video and were like shit i can't even i can't, I can't let even, anyone know i can't even courtesy can't let like anyone that. know should i should i play the audio right no no, no. <laughs> they'll we'll find they can find lose it. like five subscribers just go to uh, at the dc sentinel on twitter see if you can find the uh, tweet that got zero interactions Zero. It w- I won't give too many hints, but it was right. it was while we Some were on the tour. Yeah, while we were on the you got to go to our media tab and uh, go back a little ways. Thanks for the call, Marv. Let's hang out soon. Everyone else, call the rant line, 
08, leave a message. We will play it on air. Once again, subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com slash District Sentinel. Help support the news co-op here in D.C., even if it's just a dollar a month. dollar a month. That'll keep us going. 193 views, no likes. <laughs> That's it for the newscast. We'll be back tomorrow. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.